0: Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank and I am the host of the show and happy you can join and listen. If you listened to previous episodes, thank you for coming back. If this is the first time you're listening, welcome and I hope you will enjoy the show and continue to be a listener. This podcast discusses three topics, movies, sports, and politics. Each episode will be dedicated to one of these topics. Today's show will center on movies. The show is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Tune in Spotify, and CastBox under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on any one of these podcast apps so you can receive new episodes direct to your device when they become available. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. This is a very important and simple way you can help the show reach a wider audience. You can also always get the show from our website, www.letmebendyourear.com. Before I get into my review of the Netflix film Bird Box. I kind of want to discuss a quick history of Netflix because the phenomenon of this film has kind of fascinated me a little bit. So those that are familiar with the history of Netflix knows that it started as a DVD rental company. So basically you would sign up for an account, you'd be set up with a queue, and you would request certain DVDs and they would be mailed to your home. Then obviously they gravitated towards streaming, obviously seeing the future of Movie viewing in homes was going to be moving away from the tangible disc and moving on to streaming over your broadband connection. So, obviously, they've successfully made that transition. Uh, at the beginning of that transition, they relied heavily on releasing television series. Uh, the biggest change that they did was releasing the entire season in one shot. So obviously the first highly publicized production was House of Cards, the Washington DC political drama starring Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright Penn uh, to great acclaim and a lot of success. And that was the model uh, that uh, they are working through to today. Now, obviously they've adjusted the model slightly. There are some shows that they release one at a time. But with their series, they usually drop them all at once. And that's created the new phenomenon, not so new anymore called Binge Watching, where it was fantastic to get to watch the show as much as you want, uh, as many episodes as you want. But of course, now everybody has the malaise when they watch a season of a show within a couple of days or maybe a week, and then they have to wait a year or more to get the new season. So I think that's the unintended consequence of binge watching television. But anyway, as I was stating, Netflix was predominantly doing this through television series, not really films. So they've gravitated over the last two years into aggressively challenging the Hollywood system as far as how movies are released. So they jumped into it uh, with some big budget productions. Um, One of them was the Will Smith cop drama. Uh, I think it was called Bright, if I remember right. It was starring Will Smith and Joel Edgerton. Uh, I didn't see the film. It wasn't very well received. Netflix at the time when the film came out indicated that it was one of the most successfully streamed movies that they've ever released uh, to the point where they announced that they were going to make a sequel. I don't know if that's still on track, but they did announce that a sequel would be coming to that film. So again, like I said, they don't release their figures, which is an irritant to a lot of the media out there but I think part of that irritation is I think there is a lot of resentment against Netflix I think not by content creators because obviously platforms such as Netflix and also Hulu and Amazon they're looking to aggressively add to their content so obviously there's a lot of money being thrown around at creative so at writers directors producers and of course uh, actors that act in these various television series and movies so again it's a big deal to them Uh, So, uh, Bright was one of the bigger movies that they announced even though we don't know the actual figures and what followed after that was uh, a lot of movies with high profile stars that didn't really make a splash though there was a military movie or military comedy starring Brad Pitt who of course obviously is a movie star and I remember at the time that that was going to be released I thought that that would be something that would maybe pop on Netflix but unfortunately like Bright that film was not very well received critically as well. Uh, so I think that kind of came and went. So it's very fascinating um, how things pop because a lot of times it's, it's timing and, and, and sometimes an unknown factor. So again, if I recall the actual water cooler type shows that have premiered on Netflix, all of them um, before Bird Box were television series. So as I stated previously, House of Cards uh, popped big. Then you had uh, Stranger Things which was a huge success. Um, you had The OA, which was more of a cult-following film, or uh, excuse me, series that I that I watched. Um, it had its ups and downs, but it kind of got, like, cult status. People loved it. And various series like that. And then, of course, the docu dramas or docu-series uh, really hit for them. Uh, with The True Crime, kind of, I think, is a... Genre is basically more popular than ever. I mean, I do this podcast, and definitely I'm, I'm not a popular podcast because I don't do true crime, and that's not a criticism. I love uh, true crime myself, and I listen to uh, a, a few true crime podcasts. So for Netflix, uh, that started with Making a Murderer, uh, Part 1 and Part 2, which was just recently released. Obviously, that covers, if you have not seen it, that covers the murder case of Stephen Avery uh, out of the state of Wisconsin. He's been incarcerated—well, he was incarcerated for 18 years for a sexual assault and was actually cleared uh, based on DNA evidence. So he actually served 18 years for a crime he did not commit. Only a few years after his initial release, he is implicated, charged, and convicted of a murder, uh, a second um, murder—excuse me, not a second murder, a murder. The first charge was sexual assault, but this was a murder that he was convicted of. And the documentary, both parts, uh, raises questions on the investigation of the case, uh, the local police's supposed grudge against uh, Stephen Avery for the initial incarceration that he had and the fact that he had um, was in the process of suing uh, the county that incarcerated him. So those two, those two parts of that miniseries kind of uh, talk about that so those popped to the national consciousness to really support a lot of people that believe that stephen avery and his nephew raymond dassey are are innocent of the charges that they were convicted of and uh, i just finished watching recently an innocent man which is based on the john grisham nonfiction book uh, about some murders in ada oklahoma uh, that he feels the people that were convicted were wrongly convicted so the true crime genre uh was huge for netflix with those two particular uh docu series so again uh what's popped on netflix up until now has been uh television series and uh documentaries uh, of different types so now we're going to talk about bird box obviously i'm going to review the film later in the show but i wanted to talk about this particular phenomenon and, and i don't have a lot of of thoughts in the sense that i'm not sure why this particular movie has popped. And and again, going back to the fact that uh, Netflix uh, touted the fact the week after Bird Box was released, they stated in a release that 75 million accounts accessed streaming Bird Box, which they say is the most by far of anything that they've ever released since they've gone into the streaming business. So, of course, the media out there is questioning it and, and going, well, why don't you just show us that number? What do you mean by 75 million, account, million accounts accessed it. Was it they started it but didn't finish it? Or, you know, they're, it kind of is amusing to me that the, the media gets very all bent out of shape, that Netflix is secretive with their numbers. I frankly don't care. Um, it's a pay service. Uh, whether it, Bird Box had 75 million or not, who cares? I still pay for my service. If I like the movie, I watch it. I watch whatever I want. But people, I think, uh, like I said, I think a lot of it stems from some resentment on, on on what I think a lot of people, you know, specifically theater owners and and, and such are are threatened by Netflix because they think Netflix is going to take away the allure of going to see movies in the theater. And I have a very strong opinion about this. Like if you go through the history of movies, basically the same fear came in when VCRs started to become mainstream in the early '80s, and people were watching movies at home. Uh, you had You know stars like Clint Eastwood and other Hollywood stars testifying before Congress about how the VCR would be the end of movie making as we know it and when in fact the opposite happened. People still went to the movies and then when the movie companies finally got away from being paranoid they they finally realized holy cow we've got a whole additional revenue stream that we never even thought of having. Now the same issue is going now with Netflix. Um, threatening the theater uh, owners because their issue is Netflix uh, wants to release some of these movies day and date. So basically that means they want to release them on both movie theaters and on their platform at the same time. Now, I think what Netflix has smartly done because of some of the pushback, and I just reviewed the Alfonso Cuaron film Roma in my last podcast, and What they did with Roma and what they're doing here with Bird Box is they released the film, they released both films in theaters on a limited run. Now, Roma, a little bit different than Bird Box, because obviously Roma is being strongly considered a front runner for not only a best foreign film Oscar, but maybe even, uh, if not foreign film, even a Best Picture Oscar. I know the Golden Globes aired, and Cuaron won a couple of Golden Globes. Like I said, I've seen Roma, and you can listen to my review uh, in the previous episode if you want to see what I thought about the film. So obviously they released Roma in the movie, so it would be eligible for Oscar consideration because if it just released on the Netflix platform— it would be ineligible because one of the inel- eligibility requirements is that the film must be released in a theater. So, Netflix I think is trying to change that paradigm. I think what they would like to do in the next in the next few years is probably I would imagine attempt to get that rule changed and and have Netflix films just be considered like any other Uh, major motion picture that's released that just happens to be released on a streaming platform instead of at the theaters. So I think they're trying to work their way with that, but I think they're trying to be a little more diplomatic by doing it this way. Now with Bird Box, kind of the same thing. They released it in the theaters. I don't think any much, not so much for awards consideration. Obviously, this is not an awards-type film, but they did that as well, uh, released it in theaters, and then shortly after it was released on Netflix, which is where, of course, I saw it. So, Bird Box is based on a 2013 novel uh, by a musician and author. It was written by Josh Mallerman. So he was a musician and an author. So he published the uh, novel Bird Box in 2014. The film rights to the film were picked up by Chris Morgan Productions. So, this was picked up as a conventional film to be released by a conventional movie company. But one of the principals that were involved in obtaining the rights to the novel, one of the producers, actually ended up uh, working for Netflix. And his name is, I've got his name here now, Scott Stuber. Or Stubber, I'm not sure. Uh, so, Scott Stuber and Chris Morgan were set to produce the film. And actually, the director of it, Andy Machetti, was attached as a director. But uh, in July of 2017, Netflix announced that it had acquired the rights to the book. Uh, Stuber, one of the producers, became the head of feature f- of the feature film division at Netflix and would develop the film at Netflix as opposed to a standard movie studio. And the first two stars attached to it were, of course, the lead Sandra Bullock and actor John Malkovich. Uh, Susan Beyer was ultimately the director of the film. I'm not familiar with her work, so I don't know what else she's directed, but she directed the film. Anyway, the film was shot and released uh, in November, I believe, uh, on Netflix. I didn't see it right when it came out, uh, but I do remember seeing commercials on television for it, and I was aware that there was a Sandra Bullock film on Netflix coming out, so I, I mean, of course, that sparked my interest because obviously sandra bullock major movie star so i do observe how the the evolution of of content how you receive content you know going traditional going to the movies watching it on netflix DVDs, Blu-rays, I, I kind of I'm fascinated by how that, that process works as far as what's going to be going down in the future. So obviously when you have a Sandra Bullock film coming out, that's a, she's a big movie star and the fact that it's coming directly to Netflix is obviously a big deal as well. Uh, she's the probably the biggest movie star to be in a Netflix film, you can argue that. Like I said, Brad Pitt was there as well. Uh, Kevin Spacey at the time before his issues uh, have gone on obviously was a major movie star when he started in House of Cards. But again it kind of sparked my attention that way i didn't really know much about the movie when i first saw the commercial and then you started to see more and more television commercials and commercials online and social media and of course it gave birth to some of the memes because uh, most of the print or photo advertisement you, you saw for bird box was her blindfolded with the two children blindfolded so then of course my first question, which many I think they wanted to ask, is what is I mean, why is it called Bird Box? What's what's the deal with her being blindfolded? I think the campaign was effective in raising curiosity about what the film was about. So obviously you have the combination of Sandra Bullock, kind of an interesting, mysterious premise, and a kind of an odd title for a film. So I think a combination of those things kind of got his attention. So the film is uh, released on Netflix. So like I said, I didn't see it when it came out. I wasn't even sure. I was going to see it. Uh, didn't really have a super desire. I mean, I knew about it, but it wasn't it wasn't piquing my interest enough where I was going to even think about reviewing it for the podcast. But then something kind of weird happened. Uh, a couple of weeks after the film was released, you started to see uh, social media presence. So let me back up. Like I said, Netflix, I think the week after it was released or two weeks after had made that claim that 75 million accounts had accessed the movie. So I'm like, wow, that's 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 crazy. And then right after that, you started to see the social media saturation of the of the movie. So several things happened. So to so all those people that question Netflix saying that, oh, is that number's inflated or is it possibly inflated? It may be inflated, but what's not inflated or manufactured is the social media presence because literally almost it seemed like overnight I was seeing bird box memes people on their social media posting that they had seen the movie and encouraging other people to see it or people with the opposite opinion saying the movie stunk and don't bother but I haven't seen any kind of spike in social media for a movie like that in a long time and I'm not even just talking about a Netflix movie I'm talking about any movie Um, you don't really see that very often so I think uh, I think the only two movies I think I can think of in the last six months that I've seen any kind of Social media buzz, if you will, was a Star is Born, which I saw, and nothing near what Bird Box is doing, but that's the one that kind of caught my attention that people were talking about on social media and Bird Box. So, as the weeks kind of went by, I had a couple of conversations with people and, and specifically with my wife. Then she was going back and forth on whether to see the movie, and she had decided she wasn't going to see it because she didn't want, uh, She's not a big fan of children in danger movies, so she kind of saw that that's implied in the advertisements and and for the movie. So she was like, eh, I think I'm out." But then, because of the social media presence of it, she changed her mind and said, "You know what? I think I do want to watch it." And I had already told her that since the the movie has basically sparked you know everybody's interest or a lot of people's interest. I said, "All right, so I I reverse course on it. and said I'll go ahead and watch it." And then discuss it and review it on on the podcast. So this is what I'm doing now. But we uh, both watched the film, and like I said, I'll give my review shortly. But again, I think as I think about why this particular movie was the one for Netflix, I think it's going to go back uh, as as this this method of distributing films evolves going into the future. I, I do think that they're going to come back to this movie as a turning point. Uh, either for it to explode as far as other big movies being released on Netflix before movie theaters and being successful, or if that doesn't work out, it'll point out to, well, this is where it was at its zenith. So we'll see what happens, but I, I do think it's worth talking about because again, I'm not sure what it is about this particular movie that is capturing the imagination of the country so like I said is it I mean I'm sure it's a combination of Sandra Bullock being the star uh, it is a thriller it's kind of a post-apocalyptic type of movie and I know that type of genre is somewhat popular these days again with with Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead and 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 films that have that have discussed a post-apocalyptic kind of world or dystopian world like if you take a show like *Handmaid's Tale* that's uh, set in the future. Um, so a lot of a lot of stories in both television and film have focused on uh, the future of America, and not and the not distant future, but the very near future, and uh, not having a very optimistic view about what's going to happen. And this movie kind of falls in that line. But again, I, it, it was a perfect storm of I think the advertising teased it enough to get people curious about it. Uh, You know, obviously, again, the star power of Sandra Bullock, and I think the, obviously, the power of social media, I think people saw it initially, and I think a lot of people right out of the gate enjoyed the movie, and then word of it spread like wildfire. Now, I'm starting to notice, since it's been a a couple of months since it's been released, that you're getting kind of the inevitable flash, uh, not flashback, but uh, um, pushback and uh, kind of, predictable um push on if the movie's any good or not i'm seeing a lot more of this movie's not very good this movie's terrible i don't understand why everybody's getting so hyped up about it and i think you know that's always that kind of psychological thing as well not to say that the, the opinions are not valid and, and you're entitled to think if you like the movie or don't like the movie but i think i think we kind of all fall into that trap sometimes when something becomes very popular very fast our sometimes our inclination is to to push back against it and go Overrated, or it's not even good, just so you can be contrarian, or uh, if you honestly think it's not a great movie, kind of push back on the popularity. But again, it's very interesting. And like I said, for Netflix, obviously, this is exactly what they want. They want buzzworthy content because obviously their job is to keep and acquire new subscribers. And if they have more movies like this, uh, coming out. Look, there are a slate of movies. I don't even remember the number that they're producing, but it's I think it's in the thousands. It's They're aggressively trying to become a movie and television studio onto itself. Uh, and uh, they're, they've poured hundreds of millions of dollars into it. Uh, and like I said, a lot of the product is not good. But again, a lot of times when it comes to entertainment, it doesn't always have to be good. It has to be popular. And in the case of Bird Box, you know, you can debate whether the movie's good or not. You cannot debate the fact that it's captured kind of the moment now. And everybody either has seen it, is going to see it, or knows about it if they have no intention on seeing it. Uh, so, again, it's a fascinating it's a fascinating story as far as just the popularity uh, of the film. And that, like I said, that this is the one that popped for Netflix in a kind of a huge way. So I think coming off the back of Roma, they've got kind of... Uh, two great things going on. They've got a pretty much unanimously critically acclaimed film by an acclaimed director who's previously won an Oscar in Roma. So you've got that, and then you piggyback a thriller with Sandra Bullock, a well-known, well-liked, world-renowned actress, in a straight-up thriller that is successful um, as far as the audience, maybe not so much with the critics, but definitely with the audience. So it's kind of a one-two punch that as a studio, that's the best of both worlds. You get to to have ambitious, critically acclaimed, smaller films that get seen by a wider audience lined up against a kind of a commercial venture in the Sandra Bullock film Bird Box. And, and for me personally, I love that. It, it's funny how I've been very fortunate to live in the age that I live where I can kind of be in the area of evolving technology and me being a movie buff one of the things that I miss about being a movie buff is the ability to go to the movies all the time when I was young single and you know had money to spend I could go to the movies all the time love doing it um, unfortunately that's been severely diminished because I you know I work I have a family I have a little one so it, it it's tough to get out to the movies and the movies are, are expensive as well so a lot of challenges there I mean I see movies I'd say probably probably a little more than occasionally, but not as much as frequently. So I probably see movies more than most people do. But there's a lot of people that see a lot more than I do. So it's I do miss that experience. And, and this is why I'm less concerned about the Netflix model destroying or getting rid of movie theaters. If you're a true movie fan, the best way to see a movie is in a movie theater. And even though I don't get to see them as much in theaters there's nothing that beats that experience so and I will always enjoy that experience but I'm not gonna lie the the ability to have a high quality large screen high definition television great sound and the ability to watch movies that are streamed uh, gives me access to the smaller films that I would normally not even get to see even if I was going to the movies frequently there's going to be a lot of independent films a lot of foreign films a lot of documentaries that I would never get to watch if streaming wasn't available so as a movie buff and a movie fan I don't see it as a threat I see it as a compliment to my movie going experience and the chance for myself and I think a lot of other cinephiles to really have multiple areas of access to smaller films that frankly wouldn't really get released in traditional theaters anyway because the other issue that you're having is even though you have multiplexes with 15 to 20 screens When you have the tentpole blockbuster movies, which I love when they're done well, unfortunately, you've got, you know, let's take Aquaman, which is out now. You know, you've got it playing on five screens. Then you've got Mary Poppins on three screens. And then you've got uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse on four screens. That doesn't really leave much room for either smaller independent films or it doesn't really leave room for alternative fare or the thing that's becoming kind of a lost Genre is the R-rated drama. I mean, the thing that I noticed uh, the last couple of weeks is the Clint Eastwood film The Mule. So Clint Eastwood's 88 years old. He's a director, actor. Obviously, everybody knows who he is. And he stepped in front of the camera again for the first time in, I think, six or seven years to act and direct The Mule. So he cranks out movies pretty much every other year for Warner Brothers, and they let him do it because all his films are shot quickly and on modest budgets. Um, He's known as a very economical filmmaker. He doesn't do... A multiple take thing like Stanley Kubrick did or maybe Martin Scorsese he shoots it quickly gets it done within budget and they're modestly budget so Warner Brothers uh, releases his films every year and every every once in a while he'll get films that hit it out of the park so like million dollar baby or 2008's Grand Torino or um, American sniper with Bradley Cooper so he'll he'll hit one out of the park where they'll make a over a hundred million dollars so on a modestly budget film that's extremely profitable so mm-hmm. Um, the mule, which just really came out to some, I read some reviews actually were, were actually pretty positive for the movie and the movie is actually done well. So that kind of movie is kind of lost in kind of the shuffle of the blockbusters. Um, I think Clint Eastwood is an exception to that rule, um, as far as, uh, a mature R rated drama, uh, as opposed to either a superhero movie or a, a big budget comedy or an animated film. Which seem to be the ones that make the most money now. So, again, uh, the bird box phenomenon is kind of interesting. Uh, I've heard recently that there is some dangerous things that people are doing. That's the bird box challenge. I don't even know what that is. I haven't looked it up because it's probably stupid. So, I don't care. Um, all I know is that Netflix put a warning out to don't be stupid and not do it. So, I'm going to add the same warning. Whatever the bird box challenge is, please don't be stupid and don't do it. The fact that we even have to say that is ridiculous. So, the film Bird Box stars. Sandra Bullock as Mallory Hayes. Trevante Rhodes as Tom. Jackie Weaver as Cheryl. Rosa Salazar as Lucy. Little Rel Howie as Charlie. B.D. Wong as Greg. Sarah Paulson as Jessica Hayes. And John Malkovich as Douglas, among others. So the film opens with Mallory admonishing two children to stay blindfolded and basically advises them that they're about to go on a dangerous trip down a river to a place that's safe. And if the children do not listen to every single instruction that she gives them, they will perish. Uh, So obviously these are very young children and she's given them a very blunt and stern message about... The trip they're about to embark on, the dangerousness of it, she's basically holding nothing back. So from that scene, it flashes back to five years previously where we see that Mallory is pregnant and her sister is taking her to a doctor's appointment for the pregnancy. Uh, While at the hospital, you hear on the television a story of some kind of outbreak that's occurring in Europe that's causing mass suicides. Uh, so that's alluded to via a news story on the television that's on in the hospital. Uh, as Mallory exits the hospital with her sister, she observes a person in the hospital smashing her head against a glass window to the point that it shatters and then jumping out that window committing suicide. So as Mallory and her sister Jessica, played by Sarah Polson, are leaving the hospital. They see basically chaos in the streets and Mallory's sister starts to drive her home and she panics or she has some kind of episode and then unfortunately meets her demise. So in this section of the film, it's uh, kind of setting up whatever it is that's going on, and I'll kind of get into one of my issues with the movie in a moment. It's directly related to exactly what is going on. Uh, You subsequently find out that there is some kind of force that is causing people to kill themselves and basically something that people see, they manifest, whether it's, something that's caused them anxiety or something obviously that triggers this response where someone involuntarily commits suicide. So the film bounces back and forth from five years previous to the present day. So you're intercutting in the flashback sequences, the beginning of what's happening. Uh, Sandra uh, Bullock's character, Mallory, ends up at a home Uh, Once the the chaos starts, the home is owned by Douglas, who's played by the always great John Malkovich. There are some other people in the house. Uh, Tom, played by Trevante Rhodes. Uh, B.D. Wong plays Greg. And the dynamics of that play out uh, as they're all trapped in the house. And, of course, the things that start to happen that you would imagine uh, in a movie like this, you know, worrying about how long they're going to have power, how are they going to get food if they run out of food, and it kind of goes into all of that. And then that intercuts when it flashes back to the present or flashes forward to the present. uh, It's the journey that Mallory is taking with the two children to try to get somewhere safe uh, to protect them from whatever is going on. Now, the movie itself, uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about the movie, as I stated earlier in the show. It's obviously become a internet and viral sensation you know manifesting itself in you know some really funny memes some not so funny memes and then of course the controversial bird box challenge as I said a few minutes ago don't know what the bird box challenge is don't really care what it is I'm sure it's something stupid and the reason I know this is because there are apparently people that have done this have gotten hurt and Netflix has released a statement basically warning people intent basically in a nice way saying Don't be stupid and try this. So obviously whatever this dumb challenge is, is something that could potentially hurt dumb people that do it. So again, I'm going to repeat my warning from earlier. If you have any inclination to try to do this challenge, don't be dumb. Just don't do it. Find something better to do. So anyway, obviously the popularity of the film has been uh, widely discussed. Um, So again, in this review... I will start with what I liked about it. Uh, obviously, Sandra Bullock is always good. I liked her in the film. Uh, I liked her performance. Uh, you see early on in the early sequences when she's pregnant. Um, it's very clear that she's kind of, uh, well, she's an artist by trade. Um, she doesn't really seem to be that thrilled about being pregnant. Uh, I think uh, she has a very pragmatic view or her character has a very pragmatic view of being pregnant. Uh, her sister doesn't understand why she's not more excited by it. Uh, I think she is a she's a parent to me, and I think there's a lot of parents. She she loves the child and loves her, her child, but it's it's not a emotional connection that way. It's more of a maternal instinctual uh, connection. And I think in the way I read the film, I think they almost portray that as an advantage when everything goes to shit, Um, so basically her instinct takes over, not so much that she loves them, not to say that she doesn't love them, but they kind of highlight the fact that her instincts of protection are rabid and that she will do anything to protect them, and she sees that as her duty and her job as more to keep them okay, as more than being her parent. Now, as the film goes along, I think you kind of see a gradual softening to her character, and a lot of that is due to um, Tom, played by Javante Rhodes, another one of the people that are in uh, Douglas's house, and they form kind of a bond together, uh, Mallory and Tom, and I think that kind of helps her as well. But her her focus is keeping them safe, and she's basically a no-bullshit type of person. Uh, So I think that's how she portrays it, and of course, as always, she does a great job. John Malkovich is... I mean, what can I say? He's always fantastic. It doesn't even matter if the movie's good, bad. Uh, he's always good in whatever he's in, regardless of the quality of the film itself. So he's great. Uh, B.D. Wong, who has a small role here, one of my favorite actors as well. He's done, you know, He's been acting for decades in both television and, and movies, so it was kind of a good surprise. I didn't know he was in it, so it was kind of a pleasant surprise to see him as well. So, like I said, good cast of actors. Uh, They're doing a good job with the material. Uh, There are some genuine moments of suspense in the movie. Uh, I do think the premise of having to navigate outside of a closed-in home by being blindfolded is definitely something that adds to the tension, and I think it's something I haven't really seen before. So I always give points for something that's original to me, so I haven't really seen that type of premise played out in a movie. So I think those are some of the positives about the movie. Uh, Some of the things that I did not love, the main thing I didn't like is they really never explain what this is. Is it a supernatural force? Is it a creature? Is it aliens? They don't really say, and not that I always need to see or hear or, or, or be told exactly what's going on, but I think for this film, it would have benefited it. I think it. I felt that it was missing, so that kind of tells me that the movie, without giving you that information, is really not a great movie. It's a good movie, but if it was a great movie, I think I wouldn't have cared what was causing it because I would have been so wrapped up in the story and the characters that that question wouldn't have been as important to me as it was after watching Bird Box. So I think... I wish they had gone into that, what exactly it was. I did see a, a title of an article. I didn't open the article and read it where I guess apparently they are some kind of creatures or monsters that I guess they actually filmed them but cut it out of the movie because I guess based on the title of the article, apparently these creatures, quote, monsters looked ridiculous. So if that's true and they made an editorial decision because the monsters look ridiculous to leave them out, then I'm totally fine with that decision. Uh, But I wish either they would have done it in a different way or kind of elaborated on what was going on, uh, about what caused it. Uh, I think, like I said, I haven't read the book that it's based on, so I don't know if the book elaborates on the cause or not. Uh, I do know, uh, and no spoilers here, so I'm not going to give it, I do know that the ending was slightly... Changed, uh, so the spirit of the ending is the same of, as the book. So, so if anyone listening to shows read the book, the the movie does change the ending somewhat. Uh, so, uh, at least uh, you know I know some people may be annoyed by that. But if you've read the book, maybe it's kind of nice when it's not exactly as the book, so you get maybe something a little bit different. But again. The performances are good. Uh, like I said, I, I enjoy the movie for the most part, like I said with the with the exception of the couple of issues that I had there. Uh, I do think it, there was, like I said, genuine scenes of of suspense, uh, especially when uh, Sandra Bullock is uh, on the river with the children blindfolded trying to navigate a river with rapids and and, and and the and the dangers that are coming their way doing it all while blindfolded while trying to keep the kids calm and and kind of keeping her wits about her so I think that's part of the movie that's the part of the movie I liked the best um and like I said getting to the end won't give away the end I think it the ending made sense and 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 kind of uh wrapped it up other than like I said that it didn't really get into what caused this whatever was going on to go on so I would have liked more of that that's my personal thing on that uh, again, the acting was good all the way around. Uh, Sandra Bullock was great. John Malkovich was good. Um, Little Rel, actually, I mean, bring him up too. He plays Charlie. If you're not familiar with Little Rel, Howard, he is a comedian. I believe stand up as well. He has a show now that's on Fox. But uh, he is best known uh, as uh, the friend, the security guard in Get Out. So the 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 Jordan Peele film. So he's he's. If you've seen Get Out, he's hilarious in that movie as well, and actually plays a central role in the film uh, as it progresses. But uh, he's in this as well, um, and he's funny as well because when he's talking about when when the when the when the people start to get trapped in John Malkovich's house right at the beginning of All Hell Breaking Loose, when he goes into this this kind of <laughs> diatribe about about what's happening so basically putting a religious context into it it's just the way he explains it is just funny because it's and it's realistic though because I think you would have if you have several people in the house you would have that guy that panicking guy that's gonna tell you that the end of the world is brought on by some kind of either religious spiritual god satan so that that totally rang true with me and I think if I was in that situation you would always have that one guy that'd be that and he was very good in that small role that he had so I enjoyed it very much so his performance was actually really good so based on my review of it, my issues with it, my things that I thought were good about it, I'm going to go ahead and give the Netflix film Bird Box three Van Goghs out of five. So that means I, I like the movie. I think it's a movie that's good but not great. Um, it's not a movie probably I would see more than once. So based on that, those aspects, I'll give it a, a three Van Gogh review. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on any of the following podcasting apps apple podcast google podcast spotify stitcher TuneIn, or Castbox. you can subscribe to the show's youtube channel under let me bend your ear podcast follow the show on twitter the handle is at bend your ear pod that is also the handle for instagram if you have any questions or comments you can email the show the email address is bend your at gmail.com please rate and review the show on itunes if you listen to the show on a different platform but have itunes please rate and review the show there. This will help raise the profile of the show in search results. If you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please share it on your social media. Again, thank you for listening and take care.